0: And welcome to Como Explained. It's a podcast from the KBIA newsroom. We take the thorny issues and politics that affect our community and we break them down. I'm Scott Pham, the digital content director here at KBIA. Hosting with me, as always, is Ryan Famuliner, assistant news director for KBIA. Hi, I, Scott. Hi, Ryan. How you doing?
1: <laughs> I cut you off. Sorry about that. <laughs> you Totally me up. stumped. Well, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, always, I never know what to say when you ask me how I'm doing, so I was trying to cut you
0: off. But because, I am doing well. Is it because I... We're pretending like we haven't been talking for the past hour. (laughs) Exactly. exactly. Yeah, no, I hate that. Maybe I should stop asking you that.
1: That's okay. Um, No, I'm excited about this week's show. It's a fun one. We like to do fun shows every now and then, a break from those uh, heavy news stories. And this was one that was also recommended by one of our listeners.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Who recommended this, Ryan?
1: Uh, Nathan Byrne who I've never actually met, even though I think he works just across the quad he's here. He's literally
0: across the street. <laughs>
1: um, but he's the managing editor at Newsy, uh, so some folks in our newsroom know him. And uh, he threw it to us at, on Twitter maybe a month ago now, I mean, probably longer than that.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so he threw this to us at Twitter, and he said... Uh hey, do you guys should explain roadkill? Who picks up that stuff? What's up with that? Yeah, I think right. one of
1: his complaints was I think he thought it was around for a long time here, you know, based on compared to other places he lived, that it takes a long time to get cleared. There's more of it maybe. Um, so we kind of tried to get that answered or at least understand a little bit of how roadkill works in Missouri, specifically our area.
0: Yeah. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> Um, So obviously Twitter, we read the crap out of it. So we got another tweet just the other day from someone named Sheila, at Queen of Blah. Uh, That's her Twitter handle. And she says, I love at KBIAs. Do you say at KBIA? I do say at KBIA. Is that what you say? I think so, yeah. It feels weird when you say it out loud. (laughs) I love at KBIAs Como Explained podcast, but I really wish they brought in experts to counteract the guessing.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I don't know. She's got a point, I guess. We now, do it, some guessing.
0: It bummed me out at first a little bit, and then I realized, no, we're this. I tell people to tell me their thoughts on Twitter every show, and she did that, and that's awesome, right? That's a good thing. So we wanted to kind of open it up to you guys and say, D- sh- sh- do you think so? You- <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I think I mean, we talk to experts, like for today's show, you'll hear a lot of information we got from experts and are passing along. But um, I don't know. Yeah, do do we need to... uh...
0: Should we have them here in the studio? Would you appreciate that? That's the question, I guess. I mean, here's the thing. We do a lot of research for the show. We're usually actually making a lot of phone calls, so we're getting it from the horse's mouth, as it were. But it's true that... They're not here in the room with us. And that's partially by design because we have a show called uh, Intersection. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that
1: show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I host that show every week. Uh, if you haven't heard, it, it's Mondays at 2 o'clock.
0: Exactly. So Ryan is there every week talking to newsmakers, uh, important people in the community who are close to big stories that are happening every week. So part of the concept of this show is that, uh, those newsmakers, they, what they say is interesting because they're close to it, but they're kind of bad at explaining the context because they're so close to the story. So Now we're just explaining the concept
1: of the show. If you've already listened to it, you're like, <laughs> shut up and start talking about what the show is this week. But, there's two microphones. <laughs> I, there's on. one man and another man. Yeah. No, it, So all that to say, if you agree with Sheila from the land of Blah, um, please let us know, and uh, you know we'd like to have any feedback because we definitely are, are open to anything on this show.
0: Okay, so right. um, so now roadkill. So Ryan, you drive on highways a lot. I, yeah. I am uh, more of a, a person, person without a car. A person yeah. who doesn't own a car is—I <laughs> don't know if there's a noun for that—but that's the kind of person I am. Do you see a lot of roadkill? Yeah, sure. I mean,
1: I don't necessarily always notice it unless it's really gruesome or big or in my way. But yeah, of course, you see roadkill all the time. Highways—you'll see it there and. Um, you know, busy roads. Yeah. That's pretty routine, right? I mean, you've certainly, you see it on roads you're biking by. I do, yeah.
0: actually. It's actually, now that I think about it, I probably see it more often than you do because you are zipping by. I'm whizzing by. Just, and, just yeah. like, just, I don't know what you're doing, air guitaring in there. And that's your car exactly what I do at uh-huh. 70 miles an hour. Yeah, yeah exactly. And me, I'm <laughs> going by, you know, 12 miles an hour, looking and smelling everything. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Gross. No, I mean, you see a decent amount. And, uh, so first things first, you know, what do we see when we're driving or
0: riding our bike? So, yeah, here's the thing. We don't know a ton except for anecdotes about the small animals that are hit on the road. But we know a lot about deer because it's kind of a public safety issue. Yeah,
1: it's actually recorded, right? Yeah,
0: so we get some information about that coming up. The peak time for deer car collisions is October through December. Um so the largest proportion in November. So uh deer getting hit by your car season is coming up.
1: <laughs> it is. It's it's very very close. And that has to do with uh, you, you probably already know with deer breeding habits. Um we talked with John George at uh Missouri Department of Conservation about some of this stuff. And that is that's when they're very active and moving around uh during that breeding season. But there's also another spike during the late spring because they're moving around to find food and uh, nourish their fawns, so they're in the other times of the year, they'll kind of stay off where they are. They're not wandering around as much, basically.
0: Yeah. The other thing to look out for is skunk. Those will be on the road late February through March. That's when you're going to see the most often. And that also correlates with their breeding season.
1: Right. That was basically a theme on any animal. And I don't want this show to turn into, like, a list of animals' breeding seasons. But basically, <laughs> everyone I talked to who deals with this on a regular basis said... you. If you know the breeding season for this animal, that's when you're going to see them on, your, on the road. So it's breeding. That's the main thing. The other one is weather, um, which makes sense, right? Right. Um, someone at Animal Control, Molly Ost, she told me that if they see a spike in temperature in February, say, it gets to 70 degrees in February for a few days, all of a sudden they'll have many calls of roadkill on many roads in the area. Because these animals are more active moving around in ways they wouldn't if it was still cool out. So or very cold out, I guess. So yeah. there's your taxonomy of those animals that you're going to see out there. And then the other thing that we've started to see in our area, which is a whole different story. We're not gonna, this is also not going to be a climate change show, but are armadillos. And maybe you've seen some. I actually saw one recently in Jefferson City. Um, again, not alive. I saw a, the roadkill. I, I had a friend who he hypothesized that armadillos didn't actually exist. Because he had never seen one alive. They'd only seen them as roadkill. And he was from the South, so that made sense. But Because I had never even seen one until a few years ago. But, um, but Molly Oss told me that, yeah, the last five or seven years, they've actually been picking up some armadillo roadkill for the last five or seven years here in Columbia. Uh, still pick up a few every, every week or so.
0: Yeah, that's kind of crazy. I didn't realize how recent that time frame was. I kind of thought it was like 10, 20 or whatever. But this is a really recent phenomenon.
1: Especially this far north in the state. I mean, they had shown up uh, further south in Missouri long ago. Not long ago, but decades ago. But, yeah, Yeah. it really is. Molly, who's worked there for over 15 years, said that really started happening last five or seven years.
0: Essentially, either what's happening is our winters are getting milder and or the armadillos are becoming more adapted to the winter because they are really, really not good at dealing with cold weather.
1: Right. The other crazy thing, just if you haven't ever looked this up, Scott made me look it up when we were looking that armadillos. One of their defense mechanisms is rolling up into a ball. If you've never seen that, I would recommend it. <laughs> it's pretty. Cool. It's real. It blew my mind. Yeah. Like apparently, like their head and their tail fit together perfectly. They're both triangles. I never even like even considered the fact that it, it's it's absolutely amazing. It blew my mind. And it wasted looks like looks an hour near waterproof. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah, so check that out since you're probably not familiar with armadillos like I wasn't since they weren't from our area, but now apparently they are. All right, so now we know what gets hit. But now the real question that we want to answer here is how does this stuff get off the roads, right? Why does it stick around on the roads sometimes for longer than it seems like it should literally stick around on the roads? So who picks up roadkill? That's a simple question, right? Yeah. Not so here, answer, here's the though. first thing.
0: There is no uh, roadkill department of the government. Um That would make this whole thing a lot simpler, right? Right. Okay. So if you are in Columbia City Limits, if you call up the police or the Missouri Department of Conservation, then they will call a third party, a private contractor who is literally a gentleman with a truck who will uh, drive around Columbia City Limits, pull that deer with his hands into the back of his truck, drive it, to a piece of private property and leave it for the coyotes to eat. This is, <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't pretend to understand this individual's life or, or how it's structured the way it is, but this is what <laughs> this is what the Missouri Department of Conservation told me. Is this so, the
1: guy's real, like, regular job? Is he, is this just...
0: I don't actually know if this is the only thing the guy does or not, but he gets paid on a per-deer basis, so if I were him, I'd pick up a side gig for... You know, the lean months. And uh, supposedly, pretty good at it, will pick up any deer. That is not small animals, only deer. He'll pick those up within 24 hours.
1: Okay. Wow. Pretty good. Yeah. Say you're contacting someone or you're contacting the police because you have this raccoon that's been right out in front of your house for three days uh, the carcass there, smelling and it's disgusting and you want to get rid of it and you don't want to do it yourself the people they would then contact is animal control that's the other main player in this situation in columbia boone county animal control again molly aust is the uh, supervisor there that i talked to and she said that they won't touch the deer mainly because they don't have the equipment that they need or they just don't have the capacity to be able to do that and so what they do instead is handle these smaller animals right um, domestic animals um, that may have been hit or you know Raccoons, squirrels, that type of stuff. Whenever it does need to be removed, and I asked her, like, you know, how do they figure out how to do this? Do they have like a priority, or like, you know, you got to do the ones on main roads first, or you got to do, you know, people's neighborhoods first. And uh, here's what she told me:
0: There's not really a priority so much because dead is going to be there later. It's not like something that. You know, it's a live animal and it's moving, so. Yeah, so calm down, Nathan. Yeah, exactly. That's going to be
1: dead. that's going to be dead. <laughs> but no, uh, and, well, and so a few things, right? If they don't ever get to these animals, these small animals, the other idea that we heard from almost everyone we talked to is that nature will take its course, right? Yeah. For these smaller animals. Um, yeah. The other thing that they said actually helps them is uh, snow plows. That actually, like, whenever we have snow on the ground, snow plows will drive by and just push them right off the road, and then voila, things are cleared I off. So. And then it thaws on like your sidewalk, well, sure, but <laughs> that's not that's not the road crews' problems anymore, well, right? Oh, um, man. The other thing she said though is that for, especially for these small animals, animal control officers will not go out onto busy roads. Like, say, there's an animal at the. Uh, intersection of stadium and providence right right there in the middle they're not going to go out there and try to move that animal she said that well she said they may make an effort but if there's any sort of if, it, if it's clearly going to be dangerous to go do that it's not worth it they don't make the effort she said you know the animal control officers have been killed in other places around the country trying to pick up animals on the road so since many times these small animals are not really dangerous to drivers um, they'll just leave them there and again let nature take its course Whatever, but it's not, they, she, she said, you know, unequivocally said it's not worth someone risking their life to pick up, you know, a raccoon out in the middle of the street.
0: Moral of the story small game, extremely low priority for everybody.
1: And so, I mean, this is getting very specific here, and people laughed at me when I was asking them these questions. I'm sure they did to you too, Scott. But, I, I was asking people how this process actually goes. How do they actually dispose of the animals? Uh, what do they tell you?
0: So I talked to Tom Struther at the MDC, the Missouri Department of Conservation. He's a regional supervisor for this region, the central region. And he told me that, yeah, you know, it's it's kind of difficult sometimes because these deers can get up to 150 pounds. And that can be a challenge even with two people. I kind of, in my head, I was wondering, like, do they have some kind of tow cable? Yeah. Or is there some kind of, like deer slide. (laughs) I don't know how I've never hauled a deer into a truck. Apparently, uh, that's simply what they do. They just uh, put gloves on, grab it, and toss it into the back of a truck. You know, this morning, I didn't see this at all just before the show, uh, this morning, I was very busy and and I realized I didn't have the answer to this question. Tweeted at MoDot to ask them because I didn't have this call back from the NDC yet. And I said, hey, MoDot, how do you guys pick up Deer, or is there some kind of deer technology? And uh, they tweeted back at me and said, No, Scott, most of the time we pick up debris the old fashioned way gloves on, deep breath, and get it. <laughs> <laughs> Which I liked a lot. That's
1: a great phrase. I want to I use that in other contexts. Um, yeah, that's really what it comes down to many times is just the old-fashioned way, right? Because um, that is sometimes the simplest. Although, I don't know, I, I think they told you the same thing uh, with MDC and MoDOT told me that in certain circumstances, they will use actually backhoes or loaders. Yeah, really the MDC
0: large... won't. But if the roadkill is on a state highway, then it's MoDOT's deal the highway departments.
1: So they'll use it occasionally, but most of the time it is going to be the old-fashioned way. There's also this uh, incredible piece of technology um, that we have a video of that you need to check out. It's called a Gator Gitter. Um, And it's got like a picture of an alligator on the side and all that. And, uh, man, it's just so cool. Um, It also is like such a simple device. I don't know how it didn't exist before, but they put it on the front of like the trucks they would use. It almost looks like a snowplow, actually, when it's on the Mm -hmm. front of this truck. But it's got a ramp on the inside of it, and the truck will be driving down the road 70 miles an hour and just hits debris, and it gets sucked up into this little device, this little storage container. Uh, apparently, it's only been around for a few years. Uh, Modoc got one of the first ones in the country, like one of the first four that went out to a different – Uh, agencies around the country. first person I talked to about it called it the tire getter. Basically, you think about that kind of debris, that's the stuff they need to clear right away. But it is capable of picking up deer. It is capable. It's been tested with like 120-pound, I think it was like calf. Um, Yeah, so pretty amazing, actually. Um, So check that out. Things could be different someday. But still, that's not going to be used very regularly for these small animals that really, they usually just kind of leave, especially MODOT uh, will often just leave. Uh, for nature to take its course. Uh, I mean, I guess the other question I had was, how does the process work, right? Does people, like, is it like, oh, if you saw it, you got to pick it up?
0: <laughs> yeah. And
1: the answer was kind of mixed. I mean, basically, what I heard, I don't know if you heard the same thing, Scott, but from the people I talked to, yes, if you have time, go ahead and pick that thing up. Don't just drive by it. But there's no, like, policy that you, ha- you know, you want you spot it. Like, I used to work at a grocery store. Like, if you were in the bathroom and there was a mess, if you saw it, you were supposed to clean it up. You got in trouble if you like mm. came back and you know there was a mess and you didn't pick didn't clean it up. Not that kind of thing, right? It's because
0: uh, it's so low priority. It's
1: so low, low priority. Again, the priority is live animals for animal control. The priority for MODOT is definitely not you know uh, something that's a little gross on the side of the road. You know, it's. Driver safety.
0: Yeah. And because there's all this concentration on driver safety, the main thing that people care about are deer. I mean, you mentioned that before. We have some good numbers on this. So, yeah, the State
1: Highway Patrol, we have the data from 2011 that they put out on deer crashes uh, with vehicles. And it's got like this map with plots of all the accidents from the last year and all kinds of great data. So, again, this is where we can really have source material. So, Sheila, hopefully you like this one uh, where we have good facts for you this time Mm -hmm. as opposed to some conjecture. But they went through and ran the numbers on deer crashes in the state. This is from 2011 again. Uh, Missouri had 3,563 deer vehicle strikes. Which basically works out to be one deer strike every two and a half hours in the state.
0: It doesn't sound ominous.
1: Yeah, it does.
0: Yeah, it does. like between lunch and us doing this podcast, somebody has hit a deer with a car. I know. Uh, well, and and then also
1: one person is was killed or injured every twenty three point one hours. So every day,
0: every day, someone
1: is killed or injured. In a deer accident, it sounds like the kind of thing you run in a commercial when, like, I don't know, those commercials for you know dogs that are in dying in humane societies or whatever. Yeah. You know? So deer are a problem, right? I mean, yeah, that's yeah, they kind are a the problem.
0: It is kind of a weird thing to think about, but it is a problem that people are trying to solve. So the state is trying to reduce the amount of deer that get hit by cars, and uh, there's a few ways to do that. You know, some kind of traffic management can help that when drivers are going thirty miles an hour or under, they have the ability to avoid a deer any faster than that, you pretty much have no chance. If it if it's, you know, if it's leaping out in front of you, you're not gonna have the reaction time. Our sources tell us too that the way you deal with a deer, if you see it, is you got to brake. If you try to move out of the way, you're probably going to hurt yourself or it. You just keep going straight and brake.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing about these numbers too; they don't record those accidents. We're ta- you might be talking about there that are caused when you swerve to miss a deer and get in a car accident instead. Those aren't counted, and this is only when you actually these numbers only refer to actual incidents where cars hit a deer. Uh, well, I guess one of the thing you know you'll you'll also notice they'll put signage up in areas where deer often cross. Right. And, you know, those aren't just thrown up there randomly, obviously. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've driven by an area where I've seen that. And then, you know, a mile later, within a mile, I'm seeing a deer across or seeing a deer on the side of the road. You know, it's but there is the other way to try to solve this problem is to have less deer. Just to have less deer, reduce (laughs) the
0: amount of deer that exist. So obviously there are hunting seasons and that is part of how deer populations are controlled. But, you know, some people think we need a little bit extra. And the way we do that is we allow hunting of deer on private property and urban park settings.
1: Yeah, yeah. The urban parks are kind of crazy. I know I've, I did some stories when I was working in Indiana where they were opening up hunting in these areas where, you know, that were within shooting distance literally of, you know, because they were doing bow hunting in these these parks. And you've got houses right across the street. I mean, you theoretically could have kids out in the lawn and – arrows coming into the lawn you know it's a little
0: weird it's not the kind of thing you expect if you go out to to play in a playground <laughs> or something <laughs> no definitely a not dude in a tree with a bow
1: i mean you know obviously they Everyone is supposed to, that takes part in these. There are a lot of rules involved. At uh, times, you know, seasons are a little different than the regular hunting seasons, if you're talking about the urban park settings. Um, and they
0: are almost always, I believe, not firearms, right? It's right. Uh, it's pretty much archery. And the reason for that is they say that uh, bow hunting is a kind of a slow sport. It's not like shooting foul, where it's about quick reaction and reacting to sounds. You line up your shot, you take a long time, so there's very few errant Arrows.
1: Right, and arrows don't go as far as bullets, right? Yeah. Bullets, if fired at the wrong angle, go forever. And and sometimes there are also rules involving you have to be hunting from a stand, right, so that you're shooting down as opposed to shooting, um, you know, parallel with the ground. So, so anyway, that is one tactic that everyone, you know, all over the country entities have started to try that, you know, not always just for the fact of keeping deer off the roads, but that's one of the big motivations many times.
0: Yeah, exactly. So to be able to hunt, you have to be at least 15 years old. <laughs> seems reasonable, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. And then you have to take a class. You have to physically go and take this course that kind of explains how the system works, where you can hunt and all that. Those classes for this year are over. So if you're uh, a podcast listener slash urban bow hunter, you're out of luck. <laughs>
1: Sorry, guys. For... I'm pretty sure that's our audience is yeah.
0: urban bow hunter. It's what we target. So in August of next year, they will announce the dates for the next course. So it's kind of early in the fall, late in the summer. You need to know about this. Uh, you get a little permit thing. It's good for two years. And it allows you to hunt on a bunch of areas just in the Columbia area. A few notable places are, there's a property on Oakland Church Road. There's the actual city landfill that's northeast of town. Uh, the Grindstone Nature Area, Gans Creek Recreation Area, and a few other places. We'll put a map on the website. Right. So in recent years in Columbia, we've seen a decline in deer car accidents. It's hard to say if it's because there's urban bow hunting or not, but simply a fact that in 2005, we were kind of at a peak of deer car accidents with 58 in the city in a year. And remember, these are not counting the ones where you swerve and, there's, and you don't actually hit the deer. We've been on a decline since 2005, and as late as 2011, which is the last numbers we have, we only had 10. So we're getting down there and that's good
1: again to get back to Nathan's original question are we are we worse than other areas for our area, our size, we're actually much lower on the list than you would expect 24th. We're tied for 24th among cities for the amount of deer accidents we have. So you can equate that with the amount of deer, dead deer you'll see on the side of the road. I mean, the cities that are right near us are Wentzville, blue Springs, bowling green, much smaller, but blue Springs, Wentzville are kind of those like suburban areas of Kansas city and St. Louis. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're lower than you would expect to be on there. But you know, there are other, other factors to that question. We've kind of talked about a little bit to answer that question. And, um, you know, why, if things are worse here, why would that be? I guess is the question. And that's what I posed to Molly Austin. You know, it's obviously hard to quantify, but you know, one thing she pointed out is that they really are a complaint driven department. So somebody might call and say this, you know, this raccoon, she said, this raccoon has been out in front of my house for a week. Why hasn't somebody picked it up? It's like, well, it's because you just called me for the first time. Now I'm going to go pick it up. So one, the answer to the question may be, why is it so bad here is because you're not calling me to tell me that it's bad. <laughs> yeah. So so it's your fault is what I'm saying?
0: We should say, too, that the number to call in most cases is going to be the MDC, the Missouri Department of Conservation. And that number is 573-815-7900, Monday through Friday.
1: Yeah. Or, again, animal control does handle a lot of the smaller animals in the city. Um, so the number there, 573-449. One eight eight eight. If you're listening to this show because you have roadkill in front of your house and don't know what to do, luckily you listened for twenty something minutes and now <laughs> you got the number you need because apparently you don't know how to use Google. Yeah, Dad's gonna be dead. <laughs> Dad's gonna be dead. The other answer to that question too is you know it's kind of everybody's job, but it's also nobody's job to pick up. Um, as, as we've kind of been talking through here, that yeah. there's all these different entities, but other than this contractor who just focuses on deer, uh, there's not really anybody who's, whose job there is just to do this and just roam around and find stuff. Molly Aust, again from Columbia, was telling me that they, about 15 years ago, had one of their officers, a new officer, join them from the Kansas City area. And the officer there said, hey, actually, you know what? Uh, In Kansas City, they actually have a person whose only job on animal control is to go around and pick up roadkill. They just Dang. come in at night when traffic is lighter. At that point, they already have a list of where all the roadkill is all around in the area, and they just drive around and pick up the roadkill all night while traffic is low. Why can we get one of those guys? She said that basically, there's not enough roadkill to keep someone busy here with limited resources. It wouldn't really be a good use of of resources. I mean, I guess that contractor's taking care of some the bigger animals too, but it's just not really economically viable and doesn't make a lot of sense because of the limited amount. But that is, it could be one of the answers here is that you know. If, they, if there was someone like that, things would be pretty clean because they wouldn't even have enough work to do is what she's saying. But that might be for people like Nathan who are from uh, larger cities or lived in larger cities like Kansas City where it seemed like things were taken care of more regularly. They probably were because they're a larger city, as, uh, as Molly oh. was telling me, larger cities may actually have enough volume of dead animals everywhere to necessitate picking them all up. So we're kind of in this little in between area where yeah. we're a pretty, we're a bigger city we more than these than small none, areas. But... We got more than none, but we don't, yeah, don't have enough to make it like logical. And you know, I mean, you know, look at it from the other direction. If I was looking through the city budget, and I said, why are we paying somebody, you know, forty thousand dollars plus benefits every year to drive around and pick up roadkill, right? So. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, that's going to do it for a Como Explained. I am Scott Fam. My co-host is Ryan from Uliner. Give us a listen each and every week. Find us on KBIA.org or even better, the iTunes store. Just search for a Como Explained, then hit the subscribe button and get a shiny new podcast automatically each week. If you've got a comment or a show idea, we love both. We'll even talk about you in the podcast. We proved it today. <laughs> Email us at news at KBIA.org. Tweet us at KBIA. Thanks for listening. Bye, Okay.